Our second scripture reading today comes to us from 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 22, and this is a letter from St. Paul, which is considered to be the oldest part of the New Testament. The oldest part of the whole New Testament is this letter. It was written to the Christian community in Thessaloniki, which is in modern-day Greece, and it was written around the year 50. So listen for God's ancient word to you may be made new as you hear it today. But we appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to respect those who labor among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. Esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers and sisters, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, and be patient with all of them. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks to, in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning once again. It's really great to be with you all today on this um, All Saints Sunday that we're celebrating in spirited fashion. It's also Communion Sunday, which we will enjoy together in a moment, and it's Daylight Saving Sunday, right? And um, I forgot to fall back today, and so I got up really early, and I've been sitting in the, in the church since 5 a.m., <laughs> just waiting for you to show up. So it's great to be with you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I want to say hi to those worshiping online with us today or listening to the sermon podcast later in the week. We're glad that you are here. So I was, I was out for a walk the other day, this week, and I ran into somebody who I know from the community, not a member of our church, but he's a part of another local congregation. And I told him I was on my way to Bible study that afternoon. This was on Wednesday. And um, he said, well, what are you studying? And I said, oh, First uh, Thessalonians. And he said, what chapter? And I hadn't gotten into my Bible study quite yet, and so I thought, oh, it's uh, 1 Thessalonians 4 or something like that. <laughs> and most people would just nod and smile. That's nice, Pastor. I hope you have a good... But he didn't. He said, well, which part? <laughs> I said, well, it's the part about rejoice always, pray without ceasing, uh, give thanks uh, in all circumstances. And he looked at me and he said, well, that's 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. He put me to shame. <laughs> this year, though, we are working on getting out of shame and getting into grace. We are in a year for growing in grace. And the way that we're trying to grow up in our faith together is in this gracious way to say, you know what? Sometimes we miss a Sunday at church, and we got to be there the next time. Sometimes we're not able to do everything we might want to do in our spiritual lives. We're called again and again to follow Jesus. And week by week, we don't always get there. We, we fall short. So we come and confess our sins, and we're, we, we receive the, the blessings of forgiveness and mercy in our lives, and we start over. And so every week, we're trying to start over again together. And so um, what we're doing to help us is we're memorizing together one passage of Scripture per month. Not every day, not every week, one a month. And this month, we have a new passage to memorize. I'll put it on the, on the screen so you can read it with me. It's uh, from 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Let's read it aloud together. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Great work. Oh, it was on the screen. Great work, though. We're going to look at that just each week throughout this entire month. We'll try to remember it as we go. This week, we're talking about Paul's encouragement to rejoice always, which can be a kind of a tough one to understand. After all, there are plenty of times in life which we can acknowledge and circumstances or situations that we face where this seems really hard to do. Rejoice always. Maybe you watch the news and you see terrible things that are happening in the Middle East or in Ukraine. Today's All Saints Sunday, and maybe you're here today remembering a loved one, someone who was a saint of this life, who's passed on into life with God. Maybe you're here in a time of struggle, a relationship that's not going well, a a health challenge that seems to be never-ending, a crisis of one kind or another. And yet in the Bible, when we read it, there are almost 400 references to joy or rejoicing. It shows up again and again. It's a constant major theme. So we could sit here probably for this whole entire hour just hearing again all the Scripture verses pertaining to joy and rejoicing. You know, like St. Paul in Philippians where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Or, Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Or, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. Or, Make my joy complete. Or the shepherd who finds the lost sheep and says, Rejoice with me. The woman who finds the lost coin and says, Rejoice with me. The father who finds his lost son and says, Rejoice. One of the striking features about joy in the Bible is how closely related it is to sorrow or suffering. In fact, there's almost, there is almost always something wrong or not going quite right that leads God's people, people like us, to seek or find or experience or look out for joy in our lives. So there's no teaching that says something like this. When you find yourself lying in the sun on a towel by a pool in a resort, rejoice. That's not the teaching of the Bible. Joy becomes all the more important to us when we're going through something hard. And I'm looking out today, and I know that some of you are here in that kind of season. C.S. Lewis gave this example from his, in his spiritual biography about a, pe- a group of people who are out hiking in the woods. They're out in the woods, and they get lost. Raise your hand. Have you ever been lost before? Have you been lost before? Anyone ever been lost while driving before? Wives and husbands are elbowing. Okay. Um, so this group was out in the woods hiking, and they got lost. And they, you know, they, got, they were going around in circles looking for the way out. They were running low on food, running low on water. The day was getting, coming to the end, and they did not want to get stuck out overnight. Finally, one of them spots a signpost. And it's a sign that said, this way to the parking lot, this way to the trailhead, this way to your homes and your cars and getting out of here. And when this person saw it, they cried out, hey, guys, it's here. That's the way. And they rejoiced. They were in a time of trouble, and they saw a signpost pointing them out. Later, that same group had gotten into their car, and they were driving home. And as they drove home, they passed sign after sign after sign on the freeway saying, that's the way home, and all the rest. 
but it didn't matter as much. They didn't pay attention as much because it was just the regular things of life, right? When things are going fine and you're driving on your car down the freeway, you don't need those signposts. But when you're in the woods and you're lost, when you're in a time of struggle or trouble, that's when you need the signs of God's presence and goodness. That's when you're seeking joy in a different kind of way. So there's this... um, paradoxical way that joy is sparked in our lives, not in times of happiness, ease, or comfort, but true joy is often found in a hard, in a hard time. So then in our everyday living, when things are normal, we often neglect joy, or we don't seek it, we don't think about it too much, we don't worry because everything seems okay. I've shared before about um, a time in my, my office here in the church where I was working on many things, so many things, and I had it all laid out on my desk you know, papers and to-do lists and books and notes and little uh, post-it notes that Pastor Erica teases me about. And one day, I was going through all this stuff. And finally, I decided I'm going to clean up my desk. And so I cleared it all off. And right underneath of all this junk on my desk, I found this little sign. And my joy had been there all along, but I wasn't looking for it. And I didn't see it. Has that ever happened to you? Just the stuff of life papers over, covers over your joy. I wonder if you're here today and you're in need of some joy in your life. You're looking for joy. Maybe something that points to a desire or a hope uh, or a need that is beyond just your current circumstances. It's not that you're trying to stay in your current circumstances, but you seek to be joyful, to live your life fully. So the question that we have as we hear this little teaching from St. Paul, Rejoice Always, is how do we do it, right? What does it look like? How would we experience the joy that that God wants for us and has for us in our lives? And I want to suggest that there are some some clues, just some little clues in the, the Bible verses that we've read today. Here's one way to read it, okay? Rejoice always, how? By praying without ceasing and giving thanks in all circumstances. These are related ideas. One leads to the other. How to get joy or spark joy or find joy. One way is taking on the practice of thankful prayer, being thankful in prayer. It's a good idea. I wonder if you could apply this, life to your, this idea to your own life and your circumstances right now. I'm telling you, you don't need to be out of the woods yet to seek joy or practice it. Your situation doesn't need to be fully resolved for you to begin to give thanks to God. What is good in your life? What are the gifts that you have? Who are the people who are with you? What's the thankful heart you want to tend to and open, even in a time that's hard? The word for joy in Greek, of the Greek of the New Testament is kara, and the word for grace is charis, and the word for thanksgiving is eucharisteo. And I'll show you on the screen there. All of these ideas are tied together or linked. Joy is kara. It's the delight of being in God's grace, God's presence. It's becoming aware of God's grace, and as you do, there's joy. These three ideas relate in Greek. So as we pray and give thanks, eucharisteo, we're thanking God for the charis, the grace in our lives. And then it leads us, I think, to the communion table, right, on a day like today where we get to share and experience that together. At the table of grace, we come to give thanks. We come to pray. We come to share a little bit more in the grace of God. So one way to rejoice always is through sharing worship, fellowship, and communion with the body of Christ. 
There's another verse in the Bible that says this, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And implicit in that is this idea, you can't rejoice all alone. You need other people. You can't rejoice fully all alone. You need other people. In this sense, we're tied together in our joy and our sorrow. So Paul says, rejoice always, but to do this, you've got to be in communion with others, other people here in our church who might also be grieving a loss, who might also be battling a disease, who might also be caring for a loved one, others here who are also dealing with an addiction, others here who are also looking for a job, handling a disappointment, going through a divorce, or uncertain about their future, somebody else who's here who's challenged in their faith or bumbling along as a new parent trying to figure it out, somebody else here who's trying to figure out what it's like to be an empty nester or chart a course into retirement, somebody else here who's, well, fill in the blank. What's your thing? You can't do it alone. You can't do it on your own. That's why God gives us a body of Christ to be part of. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep means that we need each other for, this, for walking this life of faith. That's one of God's good gifts, to be part of a place, a people, where we are welcomed, where we belong, and where we grow up together. So rejoice always through prayer and giving thanks in all circumstances. One, one last note is it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. We don't have to pretend and pray to God, thank you for sending me this terrible ailment. Thank you for messing up my life. I don't think that's the prayer. I don't think God is up there thinking of really cool ways to mess with us. That's not the picture of God we have. But in all circumstances, in all those unresolved areas of life, that is a place where we trust God. That is a place where we pray without ceasing and give thanks to God. So we do this through communion and connection with others, knowing that other people's lives are not perfect either, so we're all trusting the grace of God together. So let's do it. Let's come to the table, a time for communion, which is a signpost that points us towards God who is in our midst. Come with joy, that's kara. Come seeking grace, that's charis. Come with thanks, that's eucharisteo. And in all of this, know that the God of love is here, that the God of love is rejoicing because you came. May it be so. Amen.